What's going on, guys? Welcome to In The Zone. I'm your host, Garrison Roy. And if you're new to the show, we have several different segments. We have full-length interviews, mental minutes, and uh, you know, deep-dive educational stuff. And also, I'll rant on a few every now and then. Um, you know, But uh, this podcast only grows through word of mouth, so I don't do ads or sponsorships or monetize the show in any way. All I ask is you guys pay it forward and, and share the show, write a review, post about it throw out some good karma out there because this is all about just growing the game and, and helping people spread their knowledge from their experiences uh, through either playing or coaching. So uh, with that being said, today we have a full length interview with Jimmy Onati. Jimmy, what's going on? Hey, how are we doing? Doing good. Well, I mean, I would have an official title for you, but obviously you're aware of many hats as we were talking about before. So you kind of go ahead and list off those and what where you're kind of leaning up to now. Sure, sure. So I, I it all depends on who you talk to. Some some know, know me as Coach Onati. Some know me as Dr. Onati. Uh, some know me as Jimmy. Um, so I'll just kind of start off with the, the job first. So sure. I am a uh, professor at uh, The Ohio State University. You always have to add the. Um, so I've been here since uh, 2010, and I am the director of the Division of Athletic Training Education Program. So I'm a certified athletic trainer, so I have that whole injury rehabilitation uh, background um, from there. I also am the director of the Moves Lab, which is a research lab here. And what that is is called uh, Moves, M-O-V-E-S, uh, multidisciplinary opportunities for movement education and science. And really that's, we, we research everything from, uh, military and law enforcement to athletes, to, um, physicians and you, you name the areas from head to toe. So there's a, uh, several of us on there. The, the lab is really focused on undergraduate education, but we have doctoral students and, uh, faculty of all different uh, areas. So that's the kind of academic side of what I do. Yeah, the yeah. other side is I've been a baseball coach off and on since 1991. And so I've been coaching uh, for several years. Um, Not to age you, but coaching longer than I've been alive. So <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> so I've done a variety of different things. I've coached, uh, you know, Travel ball, high school ball, uh, helped with some different, um, independent type things. And, uh, you know, so again, um, probably the most recent is I've been doing the strength and conditioning and, uh, more infield and hitting things for uh, a local high school here in Ohio. And then I stopped doing that last March so I could just be a full time dad and watch my son go through his junior and senior year without having dad on the, on the bench and, you know, preparing him for his next step steps. And that's been, you know, great from one part and really tough from the other part. Uh, Cause I hung up, I did travel ball this past summer, 17 U. And then I just, I think I'm probably uh, just put the cleats away in the closet, not 
hung them up completely. So we'll, we'll see how that kind of goes. I love it. That's really cool though. And you know, for, from a player's perspective, it's like, Hey, yeah, like my dad was a part of it. He was more of like the medical side from all the sports that I played, but, uh, cause he's a chiropractor and it was like this had sports medicine as a, a little bit more of a background, but you know, it was cool to, for him to kind of take a step back my junior senior year too, for me to just go out and play and not have him in the dugout, like, you know, hit pushing my buttons and, you know, it's, yeah. it's, uh, there, there's definitely a piece there that even every dad says they, they don't do it, but sometimes even if the dad just looks at the kid a certain way, <laughs> it can send it through a whole nother way. A whole it's, just nother being way. In there. it's just, it really is just being in there. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, and I always told, so I was coaching well before my son was born or both my sons were born. Uh, one just decided to play baseball. The other one really just ran and ran track and, and he, you know, a really good writer and a really good runner. But um, the one who played baseball, you know, I always told him, I was like, look, you're going to have to get used to dad being a coach because I was a coach before you came along and I'm going to be a coach after you leave. But what I realized is during the high school years, he's only got four years of high school. And with COVID, he lost his freshman year. Oh, yeah. So he has three years of high school and he doesn't have a choice whether I'm the coach or not. I have a choice. And so we were kind of button heads and button heads and uh, his sophomore year was really good, but still it just wasn't as much fun as I had, you know, I'd hoped it would be watching him play high school ball. Um, and so junior year came around and literally we we're getting ready for spring break trip. And I was like, I have to make a choice. I either could be a really good dad or a mediocre coach and have a horrible relationship. Um, so I chose being a better dad and it was really, really tough because uh, it kind of changed my whole uh, strategy, but it really gave me clarity afterwards about what's important. What are the things? And and me and my son are at, you know, kind of another level of talking and opening up and um, it's been really fun. And and it's been really, I know I made the right decision for him. I know I made the right decision for myself and our family. Uh, I feel bad in leaving some of the other kids. Right. So I couldn't uh, be on the bench for other kids. But I kind of made a priority of of my son over other kids, where before I think I was making priority of other kids over my son. So, sure, yeah. Well, there, I mean, that's definitely a, a big dynamic to consider too, because you know you only get the kids around one time. You got multiple kids that you can coach year after year after year and, and touch guys that way. Not saying that that's not important, but I think obviously being a parent definitely takes paramount over that for sure. Yeah, I, I told him, I was like, look, my number one job is to be a better dad. And I wasn't being a very good one. Um, so now it's, you know, uh, I, that's kind of my 100% focus is just being a better dad. Uh, I still coach and still, you know, feed him, you know, still do his hitting stuff. And I coach him in the summer. And, you know, we still work out together and all those things. But uh, I don't I don't carry it into uh, like the games, like it's, uh, you know, I get to go just coach him, which has really led me to my, my next adventure that I'm doing. I got a lot of adventures, um, but my next kind of career path that I want to take. So. Yeah. Love it. And we can definitely touch on that here in a little bit. Um, while we're kind of on this, I wasn't really expecting to go down that, but as you're mentioning it, um, you know, you have a lot of, dads who do travel ball and things like that. And you notice like maybe some of the kids really love it and, you know, they're all gung ho about it. And then some kids end up getting burnt out over it because, you know, they can't really escape from it because they're around dad quite often, you know, when they go home and then they're also doing this 
and then they see him on the field too. So there's like almost a no escape kind of thing there. Yeah. Um, how much, I, and I've kind of researched in this a little bit too, especially for me being a coach, I'm not a parent yet by any means, but there is like a, you know, almost like a triangle that I think of where it's like players on one end, the parents up here on, on the top end, and then the coaches over here on the other end. Right. And so obviously lines of communication through all three of those are very important. Not that you need to communicate to the, the parent, like as a coach you need to communicate to the parent all the time, but you know, sometimes you need to have that, that line of, um, you know, trust to be like, Hey, like this is what oh, I'm no. doing, you know? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, I think it's kind of like a Venn diagram and in the middle, uh, you know, everybody likes to put the player in the middle, but really it's just a, what's the learning opportunity in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that I decided to do uh, about three years ago, so it's probably my 15 U team is I stopped focusing on <clears throat> developing the kids baseball skills. I stopped recruiting and looking for the best player. I stopped uh, trying to focus on getting them prepared for college. Uh, now I just use that as kind of a hook to get them prepared for life. Um, but I really focused on one simple motto uh, is between the coaches, the players and the parents, can we be great teammates with each other? And a lot of times people eliminate the parents from the equation. Um, and it's just when we think about being great teammates, we think about just player to player, right? But it's player to coach too. Like, you know, I got to be a Absolutely. great teammate for the players too. Like, mm-hmm. I got to pick them up when they're down. I got to cheer them when they're up. I, you know, they got to be a, also a great teammate for me. And, you know, the parents are also part of that whole thing. So we took on that mantra about, again, four, three, four years ago. Um, and it's been great. You know, like today, one of our kids, uh, birthdays, like we, we've been done playing for, you know, almost six months and we still have a WhatsApp group with our team. We still have a parents WhatsApp group. Uh, so players and parents separated and, you know, his kid's birthday today and, you know, everybody's, you know, tell him happy birthday and, you know, just give them the normal, like, Hey, your mustache is really looking nice and all that. Yeah, you know, there you go. You know, 18 year old, you know, fun stuff. And, uh, you know, that's the, that's the moments that I think coaches forget in the development process mm-hmm. is yes, player to player and player to coach, but player, parent and coach, um, and, and really wrapping all three of those things together. It took me a while to, you know, cause I was a normal coach, like, Hey parents, we'll just communicate when we need you, you know, no Gatorade or water in a dugout, and, you know, we're not going to make soft kids and, you know, any of those things. Right. Um, right. And, and, uh, and, and it didn't change me as a parent doing that. It just, I just started realizing like this equation isn't, is missing something. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's missing like the coach and parent relationship, um, which again, a lot of people want to just put in a corner. And I think most of the time they want to put it in the corner because they don't want to deal with it. Sure. It's not yeah. an easy thing to deal with. Mm-hmm. Well, so, I think the good coaches out there, at least for a younger level, right? Like they at least address the elephant in a room and like have the courage to be like, Hey, like this is what's going on. Or maybe, you know, sometimes the kids don't have the greatest home life. So then sometimes they have to step in through other ways or they see them in the classroom, you know, doing other things, you know, there's, there's a bunch of other dynamics, but it's, um, you know, you're, you're trying to develop them as humans. It's not just player development, it's human development. 
Right. And so why would we eliminate, you know, somebody who's going to be part of their entire life? Yeah. Good or bad. Right. Some, some are. So when I, when we were doing, you know, we're, we're a pretty good travel organization and, you know, in our high school organization, uh, I was assistant coach in the high school, you know, so I would talk with parents and all those things. I wouldn't tell them everything that was going on, but I saw when they were frustrated and I saw, you know, when they were like, why this, why that? I was like, look, you can't focus on that because that's not like trying to get into why a coach makes a decision mm-hmm. is an impossible task for a parent to solve. So don't even go there. Like, don't worry about that. You know, just be there for your son or daughter. Um, you know, be there as a good supporter and try to help them through these times. And most of the times, that's what the parent's job is, is a, really a supporting uh, piece as opposed to an instructional piece. Let the coach instruct. Um, but, you know, we I started when, when people were wanting to try out for our team. Um, you know, I interviewed the parents. I didn't interview the players like before the parents, before a kid tried out for, for things, uh, it was all about the parents and some parents were great parents, but they were just, there wasn't the right, you know, how many at-bats is my son going to get? Um, you know, you got, you got, you know, this number of players at his position, how, what's your plan? I'm like, well, my plan is focus on being a great teammate. You won't worry about what position he's playing. Um, you know, is he going to get enough looks in here? I'm like, well, look at, I got, this person and this person and this person, and they play pretty well. Yeah. Oh yeah. On the flip side of that, like if the player's focusing on being a good teammate, he's not going to let his teammates down by not having his skills up to par and doing everything he can to go up to the field. The best. Exactly. Exactly. I had four kids who started with our 15 U team, uh, played 16 and 17 and half more than half of our kids are playing college or going to play college baseball. Uh, you know, about nine, I think, yeah, nine D1 kids, um, a couple of JUCOs, a couple of D2s and D3s, so on and so forth, right? And I don't really care. I always say find your best fit. But the amazing part is I had four football players who were not planning on playing uh, college baseball continue to play with our team. Wow. And they played throughout the entire – winter and summer and because they wanted to be around the team and the teammates as opposed to just preparing for their college football career or their college baseball career. And for me, that's the, like the biggest win is like, wow, I got, you know, I have an individual who um, he, you know, so we're an elite team, right? So we always, right. I put that in quotes, Mm -hmm. but I said, look at everybody on this team can do something at an elite level. And one of my kids was just an elite teammate. He was, you know, tough on teammates when they needed it. He was caring when they needed it. He would come in and do any role that we asked him to, uh, relief pitch, start pitch, come in and close, uh, you know, always wanting to play third base if we needed it, but he wouldn't pout if I didn't play him there. Uh, you know, he, he got one at bat in, in four years with us. <laughs> like, he was just a great kid. And he's going to be uh, an elite teammate at whatever level he gets to on the next thing. So um, he's applying to to the West Point Academy, and he would, you know, he had my my vote, my letter of recommendation. Like he's an elite oh, teammate. Yeah. And so that's what we're looking for is elite teammates. And with the elite teammates, we got a good team.
skip ahead the next 60 seconds if you don't want to find out about the company I co-founded, Ink Sports Performance. So here's the scoop. At Ink Sports Performance, we get it. We were athletes ourselves, former college and professional pitchers. We were also perform former college coaches as well. Rob and I, we don't do one-size-fits-all programs. We custom craft each training and throwing program and offer that one-on-one -on -one coaching support that you need where you're not just a number. We're all about that personal touch. We'll dive into your training videos, whip up some of the program designed to take you to your next level. Nothing cookie cutter here. So if you, one of your friends, or maybe a player that you know is serious about competing at the next level, have, hit us up on our website, give us a call, get that set up at inksportsperformance.com. And also just a heads up, we're also very selective who we take, right? We only take a handful of dedicated athletes. And if you're not putting in the work, we'll have to say goodbye. So let's ink you in to the next level. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. Some of my favorite teams that I played on, the team camaraderie was always there, right? And because of that, we won, you know, it, it's not that we were the best team by any means. Like we were, we scrapped things and put things together, but you know, us picking each other up in the game, but even outside of the game, you know, that it, it went a long way and it helped that almost like a never quit kind of attitude, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I think what it does is, you know, and I bring this over to my uh, education program at Ohio state. Uh, we have the same labels, be a great teammate. And some of my faculty, uh, literally we have a big review tomorrow and one of my faculty, two of my faculty, well, all of my faculty, but two especially have done a tremendous amount. And I just said, thank you. And they said, Hey, we're just trying to be good teammates. And I was like, Oh man, you've been listening. Um, and it's so, so it's fun because the same stuff I'm teaching 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids, right. That's going to make them successful later. I'm teaching to college students, 18 to 22 to 20, I got PhD students and all these things, right? And they're starting families and all these things to faculty who have been doing this. And it's the same motto of be a great teammate, you know, uh, you know, try to help serve others, you know, be positively impactful on society. And just those simple things, uh, find your right fit, uh, enjoy the journey, you know, all these little cliches, but I say them over and over and over again. Um, so that when people are going to do things and they're complaining about this or complaining about that, like, hey, you know, you're being a great teammate and that will come back to you if somebody's a great teammate to you also. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's the same lessons. Uh, you know, it, that's been that's been the fun part for this growth over the past, you know, <laughs> five decades. So I'll, I'll put myself in that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, one thing we mentioned a little bit before that I do kind of want to touch on and then we can kind of dive a little bit into to what you're getting into now um was the uh i asked you it was like what's the what's the biggest challenge that you've overcome as a coach you know in the past so yeah do you want to kind of touch on that a little bit yeah and this is just everything i mean it's it's you know phd training it's uh how we were raised and and you know kind of just trying to make sure that you know i'm first generation my parents are from south america and so I didn't have a big family piece here. And it was always like strive, achieve, and take care of your own things, right? So it was just be focused on doing what you need to do to take care of what you need to do for yourself and move forward, right? 
Um, so, you know, I, my, my kids will laugh because they're going to be like, oh, he's saying this story again. But I say I've been a recovering jerk for I've been on that path for at least the last 13 years. I haven't really truly embraced that uh, my recovery uh, until probably the last four or five years. Um, and it's just like an addiction of anything else. I think it's anything, alcohol addiction, um, you know, drug addiction, any of these things. I think our self-ego and our self-esteem and driving those things sometimes leads to just a, such an individual me, me, me focus. Mm. And I've been trying to overcome that and trying to do more things for others. And But I still wake up every day, just like an addict, trying to not make the world about myself. And, you know, so I had this kind of we over me and all these things that everybody kind of does cliche and there's no I in team and blah, blah, blah. But then I had a student also say like, Dr. Anadi, you know, you need to take care of yourself too. Sure. I wasn't good at being a good teammate until I took care of myself. Hmm. And so one of the things that, you know, really recently I've really kind of done is I don't put we over me or me over we, I do we plus me. Mm. Oh yeah. And the, like and the me plus we, we have to work on ourselves and we have to help others. And so that we plus me has really been my eye-opening piece. And, uh, but I'm not great at it. Like <laughs> I struggle with it every day. Some people will be like, oh man, he's still a selfish, you know, whatever, but you know, I'm trying. So, Hey, no, I think that applies not only, like you said, not only in baseball coaching or for players, but even shoot society now, honestly, yeah. it's like, if you really hone in and make yourself a better person and what you're contributing, that's going to make, you know, the people you come in contact with better, the county, the state, United States, right? Like it just kind of trickles down. Right. You know, I won't get yeah. on that that tangent too much, but <laughs> we'll leave it at yeah. that. Yeah, I think the the you know there's a me and team, right? Yeah. Um, so there's you know, and again, I just kind of just took out the greater than and less than sign and just added plus. And we plus me is uh, you know a little bit more of my most recent kind of cliche that I'm gonna drive my kids crazy with but uh you know when when times are tough you kind of go back to you know what are those things that are in your head and what are the easiest things to say um you know i pound my college students with four pillars of what college is about and and those four pillars are written communication verbal communication problem solving and critical thinking that's what college is about and you have to learn how to do those things so I pound him, you know, in the head and I had one student come back and was like, man, I just finished interviewing. And, you know, he was a couple of years out and he just texted me. He goes, I used the uh, be a great teammate and the four pillars. Uh, and I said, that's great. You know, in your most stressful time, which is like an interview for mm -hmm. students, it's like you, you fall back to your level of training. You don't rise up to the challenge. Exactly. Right? Yeah. You fall back to the level of training and. Uh, you know, that's part of their training is constantly repeating those pillars. And, you know, I, I think that's important for us to to think about. Absolutely. Well, I love this. This is really good. And um, it was a little bit different than what I thought we were going to kind of dive into. But having that, you know, the zone of the mental side of the game or even just mental side of life is is definitely huge. And, you know, 
I've dove into a few things as far as like earlier in the year, last year, looking into ecological dynamics and like how one thing affects everything. I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, okay, yeah. Looking at the world through this lens, a lot of other things do tend to make a lot more sense versus looking at things in isolation. Um, yeah, I, yeah. Your complex systems is something that we study. Um, I've been involved in the motor learning world for several years, and now that's yeah. actually kind of expanded to a variety of different areas. But I always uh, have a slide that basically is a uh, a frog's eye view. So he's in a forest, and you just see the frog with his eyes, and then a bird's eye view, and you see this uh, you know, eagle soaring above the whole forest, right? Mm-hmm. And we as uh, humans, but really in any line of uh, things, we need to be able to to do both of those. Um, I heard somebody talk about it. Oh, Michael Kadire was on a podcast with, uh, I think, Coach Sheets, and he said, zoom in and zoom out. Yep. And then somebody else used the term microscope and telescope. And I was like, well, my term is frog's eye view. You just see what's strictly around you and, you know, all sides. And you're like, I just need to survive. Like this next instant is whatever's in front of me. And then the bird's eye view, you get to see the whole valley. You get to see the mountains, the water, but you don't get to see the small intrinsic things. Mm -hmm. So we need to be able to kind of go from both. And some people are much more comfortable in one. Everybody knows that I'm a frog's eye view is not where I see things. I'm not detailed. I'm not in that part. I'm a bird's eye view of a lot of stuff. And so, again, I think everybody calls them different pieces, but, you know, complex systems, the interaction, uh, being able to zoom in, zoom out, you know, um, you know, th- those are all growing pieces, right? So you see, yeah. I do this one thing and this other thing kind of changes. It's, you know, if we want to call it the butterfly effect or whatever you want to, sure. you know, label it, right? Those are oh, all yeah. different things. Well, I, I love how you put that because you know, even, and we can kind of shift into the zone of just the actual physical component of, you know, baseball players, let's say guys working on a swing, right? Like, yeah, you can zoom in and be like, Hey, your hands will just focus on that. Like are doing this and this and this and this, but then, you know, maybe you ask the player, Hey, what are your intentions? What are you trying to do? Right. Like, and then that opens up a whole nother can of worms versus just going and isolating straight to just the mechanical piece. Oh, you nailed it. Yeah, you got to zoom so out. I yeah, I didn't share my – so my PhD is in human movement science, which is kind of a, you know, general term. Yeah. Uh, and my two focus areas were biomechanics, so kind of the physics side of things, and motor learning, kind of the brain side of things, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so I've always tried to, like, integrate those two things where a lot of people just want to be on one side or the other. Right. So we can talk about, you know, uh, Lance Wheeler in the feel. And, and, you know, and I've talked to Lance many times and he's like, yeah. Yeah. And I and I love it. And I, you know, I've spoken that, you know, Lance's Pitchapalooza and it's it's awesome. And I love the feel side. Right. Oh, it's absolutely. what we're doing with uh, with Tracy and the mobility stuff. Uh, I'm on it for all the feel. Right. And I'm trying to get an understanding of that and hearing different cues and different ways, because I've heard all those cues from different people. Um, but it never really made sense. And and now, you know, with Tracy, I'm like, ah, oh, that makes starting to make sense. But I also can wear to speak the your language a little bit more, right? Yeah. yeah. And I can I can understand the whole other side where we're talking about, you know, angles and moments and accelerations and 3D motion capture and all that biomechanics side. 
And the biggest thing that I think is what is each individual going to gain from the information? And so are we going to feel it for some of the people who have high kinesthetic awareness? The feel makes sense. My son, my younger son, I mean, I motion captured him from age six, seven, eight, nine. He was the most highly motion captured person. This is before driveline had motion capture. This is before everybody in the major leagues had motion capture and all these things. Like we were doing it in my lab and we were really, really early. I just didn't publish that stuff because it was, I was taking my uh, eight year old and nine year old team in there in 2008 <laughs> you know, and nine. Um, so, you know, it's like, like what? I'm not publishing this. I'm just doing it to try to figure out things. Yeah, just how everybody's kind of doing no, But he never, he never really liked that. He didn't like the seeing the graphs and the values. And he's really more kind of on the creative side. And so everything's about feel. Like he, he loves the mirror because the mirror kind of gives him a little bit. He's like, okay, I feel this. What's that look? And then he goes and hits. And it's all about feel drills. And it's, you know, he's doing Barry Bonds kind of getting on top. He's doing you know, a little bit of, um, you know, uh, inside out kind of ball. Um, uh, I'm struggling, uh, Braves Dodgers first baseman. Um, Oh, Freeman. Yeah. And so Freeman always talks about, you know, going soft liners to the shortstop, right. So that he stays inside the ball and he's not working on, you know, big uppercut and all those types of things. And, you know, whatever people want to say about the, the angle, right? We just attached launch to it. It's just an angle of attack. Um, yeah. So he's a feel kind of kid and he loves that feel. And uh, so I try not to fill his head with, I mean, we could force plate. I, I could force plate and 3D motion capture him every single day if, if he wanted to. We have portable systems. We got in-house systems. But got he all, all the bells yeah. and muscles. We got, I got every toy you could want, but he doesn't want that. And so I sit there going, hey, I don't ask him how practice went today. I asked him, how did it feel? Well, I was getting outside of a lot of pitches. How did it feel on the mound? On the mound, it was easy. I was easy. I was 75% and it was easy. And I was, you know, at this number and blah, blah, blah. So I think we as coaches need to find what works for each individual. Oh, yeah. And meet them where they're at. Can't say that loud enough. Absolutely. Well, because there are some... You know, I would label and nothing against the kid. They're, they are a little more cerebral, quote unquote, where they like to see all that stuff, especially nowadays when they have it all in front of them. They're like, oh, hey, what is this? What is this? Or what does this mean? And then, you know, then you're able to actually go in and relate it to the game. Right. And a trend that I'm seeing here over the past few years is like a lot of people are really good at, you know, being in the lab, so to speak, or in the training facilities and seeing all these numbers, seeing all the stuff. But then once they add more context to the actual game, they don't know how to interact with that, right? Like they're just throwing north to a catcher, but there's no hitter in the box. There's no, you know, yeah. umpire calling balls or strikes. There's no pitch calling, right? There's there's not all these other variables at play, right? And you're not in a, in a vacuum anymore. Then what? Yeah. Yeah, there's no context to it, right? Exactly. So the circumstances are so different. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, is, um, I think a lot of coaches are now coming through programs that are, uh, you know, either exercise science programs or kinesiology programs where, uh, or statistics programs and things of that nature, right. Mm -hmm. Um, engineering programs. I think 
a lot of coaches used to come through educational programs. So physical education programs. Um, you know, I think any education program enhances a coach's ability to coach. Because in the nutshell, the reality is a coach is a teacher. A clinician is a teacher. So I always say, look at motor learning is the the teaching of understanding uh, different movements, different tasks, different parameters. And so I think if we as coaches, if you want a take-home point for coaches, go watch really good educators, how they capture a class, how they create motivation, how they uh, listen to different students because they got 30 students in middle school or high school or college and they got 30 different ways that those people want to learn and how do they keep them engaged. Um, so I think we really, you know, I think some of the best coaches are the best educators. Um, now, I think some of the best educators could learn a little bit more about coaching and the same thing's happening. Like I had to have more classes and more background and more certificates. I was a high school teacher for two years. I had to have more for two years of that than I've had to have to teach college. Our high high school teachers uh, and our middle school teachers and our elementary school teachers have more didactic preparation and training than our college professors. College professors have great content knowledge, mm-hmm. but many of them don't. And, and teaching is relationships, motivation, uh, information, uh, challenging. Like, you know, I'm not the easiest professor to get along with because, you know, I'm a baseball coach. And so I have a lot of figure it out. Like, I'm not going to give you yeah. just the, the straight answers. I, I teach in a lot of gray um, and some well, students. The, the world is in a lot of gray, though. Let's be honest. Yeah. I, I, I actually really love that comparison of the professors versus, you know, middle school key teachers because um, I won't name any names, but there, you know, there are certain people that you see on social media and stuff like that, that, you know, they're really good at the content side and delivering certain messages or like going in more depth. But then when it comes to the actual coaching and relatability side of things, they're missing that, you know, because yeah. they don't have that, if they don't have that experience and they're just relying too much on the content or, you know, the, the fine tuning things. And they're probably too zoomed in maybe, I, I don't know, it's just yeah. kind of in general here, but, you know, they lack that zooming out or vice versa. Maybe you're too zoomed out and you haven't zoomed in enough. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you talk to most coaches, uh, you know, again, I was a I was a 20 year old, just turned 20 years old, uh, head JV coach in high school. Right. Talk about kids who really don't know what they're doing. And, uh, (laughs) you know, and I didn't know what I was doing, but I followed my head coach and, you know, he gave me a lot of his coaching lesson plans. And, you know, he was a cue card uh, index card like he had just massive amounts of index cards. uh, and, and, And if I would love for Mark Lanny to hear this. Uh, because he had the biggest impact on me as a as a coach, and all my all my high school coaches did. Um, my football coach, my basketball coach, they they were all just in a unique, different way, made me who I am today. You know, in addition to my parents and my brother and my you know, but he he's like, look at you, plan out your day on an index card because you carry it around with you, and mm-hmm. so I have my index note card for the day. And you know, and he goes like, you look at you got to read the room every day. 
Oh yeah. The guys are exhausted. You can't put an exhausting type of practice together. The guys need to, you know, learn how to play exhausted. Go ahead, go with the exhausting practice. Um, you know, things of that nature. And, you know, he was a, a, a you know, a teacher in high school and, and he taught me a lot about kind of lesson planning and all those things. And then it's funny because my head coach, if he ever hears this, uh, who I was just working with here, he'd laugh because I, I always tossed his lesson plans. As soon as they come to practice, he'd have his lesson plans all listed out and I put in my pocket and basically I never looked at it again. <laughs> and he goes, why are you doing that? And I was like, well, you just tell me where to be and what you want to get across. And then we'll go from there. Okay, we want double plays with middle infield. All right, because I'm going to read what we have to do. Yeah, and how the players are responding to it. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So I'm going to try a drill that's going to work this way, and it's like, wow, our footwork's really terrible. We're going to switch up that drill. So you gave me the goal, double plays. All right, I'm working with middle infielders. Great. I may roll. I may fungo. I may short fungo. I may you know, work on – uh, just a you know second base turn and a shortstop turn. It, you know we'll have to see what it kind of goes. So just give me the task goal, and then we're going to design it around the task goal. I I love that. Yeah, because the means can always change, right? Or like you know there might be some guys who are super advanced. Like hey, this is too elementary. Okay, cool. Then you just run with it, or you know vice versa. You know you go above an athlete's challenge point. Right. And they, they start to fall and they're stumbling or they're clearly it's too challenging and they have no success. We're like, all right, cool. We got to dial this back a little bit. Yeah. So. And, and I like that, too. You know, uh, I always say, look, it, I'm not um, I mean, I give lessons, but it's not my career. So uh, I always say, look, it, I'm not I'm not the coach that I, this is not a business. Mm-hmm. I don't need to make you happy. So you come back for more lessons. I might make you a little bit upset before you go home. Because learning is not always doing great. Like I just gave a lesson before this and, you know, his last two at-bats uh, were failed at-bats. And he said one more. I said, sorry, we're, we're done. And I could see him being upset. And then I walked away. I said, okay, as we're leaving, is your focus to get better or is it to learn? And he looked at me. He goes, well, don't they go together? I was like, no, because some days you're going to learn but it doesn't look like you got better. You might miss every ball, but you're like, wow, I really see the ball and I know the swing that I have and I know why I missed it. You didn't get better because the outcome didn't get better, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So you're focused on the outcome as you're better. That's what kids think. Mm. I got better. I hit nine out of 10 balls. I got better. I hit 10 out of 10 balls. My focus is, did you learn what those things are? Because if you learned, you're going to get better over time. If we do outcomes, and I think that's where we get caught on the, you know, the Rapsodos and the Hit Tracks and the Trackman and all those things. We think we're getting better because our numbers are getting better. Well, that's not necessarily the truth. Hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I guess in a, a lot of that too, right? Like, might have a, everything down to a T you know, on the physicality side of it, but then we'll shift back to that mental side. How have you, obviously you've had your hand in a lot of the, you know, just data analytics, biomechanics, all that stuff. But now you're shifting gears to go a little bit more on the mental side. What kind of, I guess, inspired that 
for you to go down that road? Or do you think there was a, a missing piece there that a lot of people didn't have or what? Yeah, I've always been kind of in that road. That's why I went in, you know, down the motor learning route. Yeah. Uh, and I've always kind of coached and mentored and most everybody sees me like, you know, that's kind of, they know that's my passion. Um, and so about a year and a half ago, I, I softly launched uh, a little uh, academy that I called uh, BLD, Build Academy. Um, and since then, we've changed our name. And when I say we, it's really me. And then I've added some more people uh, to where it's Do Mojo. And it's funny, my wife came up with the name. Um, but Mojo is the magical power. And so what we say is we want to do the magical power. So our tagline is tagging it, tapping into the magical power of the mind. And what I really want to try to do is I think society, we know we're dealing with, let's just go teenagers, 13 to 19, that we have the greatest mental health epidemic that we've ever had. Okay. That comes from awareness. It comes from society in general. You name the theory, uh, we're growing kids who are, uh, you know, we have too much reliance on mental health. We're overdiagnosing. We are creating a soft society. COVID has caused this problem, blah, 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 right? So I'm not getting into why, right? But we know that we have that. I'm not a mental health therapist. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a, you know, I'm not a psychotherapist. My PhD is in human movement science. I am not licensed therapist. I think we need to have those licensed therapists and we need more of them, but I don't think we'll ever have enough. We have more problems with anxiety and depression with kids than we've ever had before, but still that's less than 20% of the teenagers in society. So that means we have 80% who are still trying to figure out how to have the right mindset, not only to play a sport. Yeah. Yeah. To also be a person, right? Oh, that's know that. I overlooked. I, I totally agree with that. That's so. Awesome. What I'm trying to do is create a system of being in between, and what I say is, parents, coaches, and teachers all have the best interest of the student in mind, but they also have, um, they have a stake in the game. A coach really is coaching a whole team of individuals, but they also may be part of the problem where they cut kids, they don't start kids or don't play kids, they are highly demanding on kids, which is a good thing, but sometimes they don't take the time to also explain roles and so on and so forth. So they have a stake in the game. They got to win, right? They got to win for their jobs for most of those things, but they also have to put out good people and all those things. Uh, teachers have a stake in the game. Kids have to pass exams. Kids have to move on to the next grade. Mm -hmm. They have to be prepared for their, you know, they're getting evaluated, right? Based on student performance. Teachers get evaluated on student performance. Coaches get evaluated on player performance. Parents self-evaluate on their child's successes, right? I mean, that's what Facebook is littered with. My yeah. son got this. My daughter won that. My son's going here. My daughter's going there. And I'm no different as a parent. Me and my wife are no different. We're proud of our sons, um, you know, and all those things. So who else could they go to for some of these lessons? And so that's what I'm trying to fill. Uh, we have a group of sports psychologists and myself, athletic trainers and coaches. 
and we are creating content on mindset performance. And with that, we also, and here's, I think, the really unique part in this, this, the secret sauce is that we bring in assistant coaches who are near their level. And what I mean by that is if I got a group of middle school kids, I'll bring in a high school or a college athlete to just share their stories. Hmm. If I have a group of high school kids, I'll bring in either a college or a pro athlete who's not too far away. They're much closer in age. You know, a 25-year-old is much closer to a 15-year-old than a 52-year-old is to a 15-year-old. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, what I can what I can give more of is the information and then the stories which stick for the kids comes from people who are just been through it. And, and we're basically doing an online, we do groups and we do individual. And uh, again, we're trying to tap into the magical power of the mind. The hook is the sport right now. I do baseball, but we'll be, you know, launching for soccer. Uh, girl soccer will be our next launch. I have a, uh, a doctoral student who just finished her soccer career at OSU and she's going to be launching that. That's awesome. um, but we'll be doing swimming, football, basketball, and it's always going to be the a content person who has experience in that more so, so that the examples are really relevant to the kids. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You That's and I know what it feels context. like to be on the, yeah. you know, to be up, be up against a pitcher who's just absolutely dealing right. Or a hitter who you just can't get out. Um, you know, I, you know, I play middle infield. I know what it feels like to have the ball go right through my legs and going, man, I wish nobody would be looking at me right now. Well, a soccer athlete knows what it feels like, you know, to absolutely miss the penalty kick and cost their team, you know, that one kick cost them the game. It's not really that one kick. So the examples of everything, attentional focus, goal setting, uh, next week are, uh, so we do Mondays right now. Uh, next week is uh, social identity. Who are you? Hmm, right? I, like that. I did have a, a podcast on that too. It was like, who are you outside of just being a baseball player, right? Because right. at the end of the day, that's going to end. Right. right. So, and what we're doing is it's more classroom style. So it's discussion based. And so we cap our classes to 30 kids um, with an assistant coach and a, and a lead. So the head uh, lead, and we go through some different things. And, you know, it's like a classroom. We are presenting information and then we're asking questions like, okay, write down a scenario of uh, who are you outside of baseball and hopefully these kids will write you know i'm a brother i'm a son i'm a you know i'm a boyfriend i'm a chef i'm a you know what other activities right yeah when they have no other activities and they're like i don't know what i am outside of baseball guess who's going to struggle once baseball is taken away those guys yeah yeah and you and i know like look at some of the best guys who played like you know they love fishing they love hunting you know, they're on the bench just talking about, you know, going, you know, fishing. And you're like, man, would you focus? And you're like, that is their focus. Like, they play well because they don't have to worry about this stuff. Yeah. You know, so, um, you know, golf. My son's a, a big, avid golfer, but he doesn't play on the golf team. He just likes golfing. And, uh, you know, so that's his kind of a little bit of release and, and those things. So that's what we'll be talking about. And that mindset development for me is just really trying to fill the niche um, of what's kind of missing in society 
from the the parent teacher coach to the therapist and what's in the middle. And we're trying to be what's in the middle. And a lot of times we're saying the same exact thing the parent, teacher, and coach is saying. We just don't happen to be their parent, teacher, or coach. Um, Just a third party that's helping out and sending the same message for sure. Right. If if my, you know, different way. Right. If, if I, you know, when I was growing up, if, uh, you know, and we're not here yet, but it would be great. But, you know, Don Mattingly was one of my all time, like, there you go. Yeah. Only Jersey I have in my house. Um, you know, I grew up in New York and so anyways, if Don Mattingly got on a zoom with me for two minutes and said, Hey, you know what? You're going to be okay. As long as you enjoy this journey and focus on, you know, X, Y, Z, like that would live me with me for forever. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And so that's what we're trying to kind of achieve is not only the content experts, but also the the people that they kind of uh, see as their next level, right? Yeah, or the, it's the relatability of it, right? Yeah. yeah. And it helps both groups. Uh, like I had a uh, an athlete who was on uh, this past week, and I could see his eyes light up when we're talking about uh, it's social life and responsibility was, was the last one. And, uh, you know, I could see him like, yeah, I lost my whole social circle uh, when I switched and he's moving from baseball to football. And, you know, it was just tough. You, you could see him like I had a group of 35 guys and now I got three. Wow. You know, and, and he talked through it and I'm like, and it was great for the high school and the middle school kids to see like the vulnerability, but also the relatability. Like it's not easy. It's not, not you know, what seems like the perfect life is not ever that. Oh, yeah. Even if you you got all the good things going on, you're winning all the championships, you're putting up all the stats, you know, there's a lot of other things that lead to a good, happy, and fulfilling life. Absolutely. So that's what we're trying to do with the, the Do Mojo. Um, we got, so right now we're again soft launch. We just have our Twitter handle and our email out. Uh, website. What is that, by the way, if you want to plug that? Uh, it's D O M O J O. So Do Mojo. 999 and 999 is the uh, angels number so we're kind of trying to be angels on the shoulder uh that's our twitter and then our gmail it's just do mojo 999 at gmail.com um and you know we're really just starting uh you know we got small number of followers and and all those things but you know i try to say like it's it's a it's a startup but i've been doing this startup for 30 years and I expect overnight success in that probably another 15 years. <laughs> so, Oh yeah. Well, you have a lot of other experience leading up to it. It's not like you're, you know, a 20 something startup that has little to no experience yeah. to back it up. Like you have a lot of coaching, like you said, from 1991 all the way up till here to leading and having that to back the the content and the, you know, just, overall how everything's going to flow and being a, like you know you go to the ecological side like being a professor but also a coach and then also doing this all kind of does tie in together yeah i mean my athletic training background ties in uh i've consulted yeah. for uh naval special forces i basically i've consulted for special forces up the east coast and it's funny i was at a military conference and the same questions about how do you handle stress and how do you handle cognitive capabilities and how do you handle uh, workload? And we're talking about like 
military operators of the elite of the elite. Oh, yeah. And same things that we talk about in the baseball community. Right. So I was just at ABCA last, you know, earlier this month. Right. The same things that we talk about breathing and visualization and repetition and, you know, all these, you know, cliches about pressure and all. It's the same thing happening in the other communities. How do we teach it? How do we promote it? Uh, you know, it, it's funny how similar uh, those things are and people just don't realize it um, is that we're just humans trying to figure out how to do what we do best. And it doesn't matter if you're a uh, an elite Navy SEAL operator, a police officer, a high school baseball player, a college professor, a strength and conditioning coach, all those things. Some of the fundamental things are the exactly the same. Hmm. Wow. That's really cool. And it's awesome to hear that too, because, you know, regardless of what, whatever fundamental that you're learning, whatever role you're in can also carry over to, you know, baseball player going to the real world or, you know, Navy SEAL going into, you know, however they want to look at it, right? It's, there's so much that you as a person can take any of those experiences and, and pull that with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to be, uh, you know, I've moved on from coaching and I'll probably get back into coaching a little bit in the dugout, but now my coaching is more online and and with kids. And, you know, I have some kids from, you know, I'm in Ohio. I got uh, a great, uh, uh, kids from Delaware and another one in Texas and another one, um, you know, out in California and all those things. And and what I realize is now my team is just trying to coach them for life success. Mm. So I'm basically trying to just create elite uh, humans, like an and elite humans, not like they're going to be the president of the world or they're going to, you know, baseball hall of fame, but you know, that they're going to enjoy life. They're going to, have a positive impact on others and and that's it like yeah you know, like that's I, I don't know what more we could want so that's kind of my coaching thing now is is the mindset side of things so i love it i absolutely love it well yeah those of y'all listening definitely check that out um and we are kind of i want to be respectful of your time jimmy but um you know definitely check him out and do you have you did you want to plug any of your personal uh twitter handles as well yeah so i'm uh twitter uh jimmy onati uh i think it's i think i still have phd on there because it was another jimmy okay. onati one. Nice. Um, so i think it's jimmy onati phd um but i think that's a little bit also because a lot of people know me as dr onati and i'm like well i'm not a medical doctor as my as my mother says uh when i got my phd i'm a doctor but not the kind that helps people <laughs> you still help people just not in the way that they might have that visual in yeah she's she's pretty we're we're pretty good at sarcasm she's pretty good at just dry humor on those things and she doesn't even realize it so (laughs) that's hilarious i love it i love it awesome well appreciate you all tuning in and stay in the zone